Fan Morning Show. Justin Danalish, back from Fan Drive Time, where this guy sits and apparently gives smart takes as the previous ad leading you into this interview said with Ben Ennis. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. I didn't need that ad to know that. We know it. Ben Ennis of Fan Drive Time joins us. Ben, we enjoyed our little hiatus and taking over your seat yesterday. Did you enjoy some time off? I did. I, I very much enjoyed a week in mm-hmm. Texas in August. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want to go to Texas in August where it literally never wavered from 40 or 41 degrees uh, as the high temperature all week? And was there was about 30 seconds there where there was a little bit of cloud co- uh, cover. Other than that, though, it was just like blazing sun all week. So a lot of pool time. So you seem like the guy that sunburns a little bit, though. You know what? I'm not at all. Wow. So you have me totally pegged I don't incorrectly. Even know you. How dare you? <laughs> very, very Unbelievable. Yeah. You're just very no. fair skin. Like, you know. Just... Uh, not even close. No. Well, I mean, not to get too into the weeds here, but one, like, I'm very hairy. So, like, that, <laughs> that Good does. That, that does, you know, protect me uh, a little helps. bit from the sun. But I also have a nice base. Of, right, a, of a tan because I, I like to golf a little bit. So, there yeah, I was, I was okay. And it's the late summer. Like, maybe if we were talking about a, a, a May-June trip to, to Texas, mm-hmm. be a different deal. But, no, I, I was I was well prepared. Plus, you throw the SPF 50 on there. But, no, I, I, I'm quite tanned. How dare you? No, I, I, I take everything back. I'm glad. you got to get the base tan, and then you can still use SPF. But uh, once you have, like, the arms from the golf world, it definitely, it definitely helps. Does the heat, Ben, explain what's going wrong with the Texas Rangers? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's it's hilarious because I'm I'm doing some thinking this morning about the Blue Jays playoff odds, which uh, um, mm-hmm. I, I tweeted out yesterday after the game that I know they'd been out of a playoff spot for a couple of games, but yesterday felt like for the first time I thought it was less than fifty fifty that they make the playoffs, and lo and behold, on Fangraphs today they are actually less than a fifty fifty shot uh, to make the playoffs. But the I mean. The only team playing worse than them in in this race right now is the Rangers, which uh, have like uh, unbelievably coughed up the division lead to the hard-charging Seattle Mariners, who have a pair of eight-game winning streaks since the Blue Jays lost to it a three-two in in Seattle. And what's interesting uh, about that Rangers team is there's still four games at Rogers Center between the Blue mm-hmm. Jays and Rangers. So we. We've been focused on the Mariners as the team that the Blue Jays have to leapfrog, and now I guess it's directly ahead of them, the Houston Astros, uh, who they've actually beaten in the season series. So if it was a tie between the Blue Jays and Astros, the Blue Jays would win the tiebreaker because there's no, there's no game 163 anymore now that they've added uh, extra playoff teams. It just goes to pure tiebreaker. The, they do, the Blue Jays do control their own destiny a little bit with these four games coming against uh, a Rangers team that's obviously not playing great baseball right now they got to figure out a way to score runs but there's obviously a lot of interesting games still to go but I think the most interesting might be that those four games against the Rangers so if they can get to that point point to make it interesting uh it's going to take a lot of wins down the stretch against teams that yeah we've heard are a little lighter in terms of um, where they rank and the schedule and their competition level but your tweet yesterday definitely got me thinking because it's a tough thing to get to that point where you're not feeling confident in the team that you, you know, follow and hopefully root for. Um, so finding that you're at that point where you don't really believe that the Blue Jays will make the playoffs or feel the least confident, like 
that doesn't settle well. You know, waking up on a Monday morning, I think a lot of Blue Jays fans are feeling the same way, that this weekend really was kind of mostly the nail in the coffin. Um, where's your least level of confidence come from? Is it the way that this team is being managed? Is it just their uh, full-on mental mistakes at times that really just uh, hurt? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I find it very difficult to, to put – much of this at the feet of John Schneider, although I wouldn't discount the possibility that he's the guy thrown overboard at the end of the season or one of the the guys thrown overboard at the end of the season because, frankly, missing the playoffs um, is unacceptable for a team that had World Series aspirations, was supposed to compete at the top of the division going into the season, and there's a lot of blame to go around, but the way these things normally work is that, yeah, you can't fire the players, so you've got to fire someone else. I mean, the biggest level of frustration and and the biggest thing that led to my tweeting that out was that we're waiting for this big regression right like that boy can can this team really be this bad with runners in scoring position they had a couple of hits yesterday with runners in scoring position can they continue to be this bad at cashing runners um from third base with fewer than two outs and you know yesterday they didn't have the opportunity in fact they had three times runner on second base with none out and couldn't advance him to, to third base to even get into that that uh, situation but we've we're like there's a month left in the season here <laughs> i mean unless it's going to be just the the heater of all heater months which is not impossible but at a certain point a, a baseball team is trying to tell you what they are and, and you just have to believe them this is an incredible pitching team a team with incredible outfield defense and even you know George Springer gets forgotten until he makes a play like that yesterday but this is an incredible defensive team it's an incredible team at pitching the baseball they are below average offensively and I know the the numbers in an overall sense as far as OPS and batting average and on base would would lead you to believe that they're like slightly above average they're not they're below average offensive team. Vlad's having a super strange season. George Springer, you hope this is an anomaly and not like this, the real start of, of his regression and, you know, getting into his mid to late 30s. Matt Chapman, outside of the month of April, like starting in May, which is uh, the second month of the baseball season, has been one of the worst hitters in Major League Baseball. But his April was so amazing that his overall stat line doesn't look abysmal he's literally been one of the worst hitters in mm-hmm. baseball outside of the month of april we know dalton varsho has been through his ups and downs and is actually showing some signs of life lately but no it, th- this team can't score um and and i don't know if it's just a weird season and and maybe you run it back next year in 2024 and and vlad it doesn't even need to look like 2020 it looks like the 2022 version of himself that hit over 30 home runs and and it's a, a totally different uh scenario but this season, I, I, I've just we're talking about a hundred game sample here, well over a hundred game sample now. I I find it hard to believe that all of a sudden this offense is even going to to look capable the 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 length of time that we've seen it look incapable. Yeah, we were talking about it in a lot in the first hour, uh, obviously, and it just seems like it, you can kind of, it's preordained almost uh, when the Blue Jays' offense is going to break out. Like if they just have, are they facing a pitcher who just doesn't have it? Because it seems like the the runs and the offense all comes at once. Like everyone feasts when Logan Allen is terrible. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like there's much surprise here. What they lack is guys who can just make it work when the pitching is tough. And if we're talking about that being the issue, I mean, even if they get to the playoffs where pitching is always going to be tough, I mean, what hope do we have? that that offense is going to be able to break through in those moments. I guess I, I would also point to some 
some moments where they've faced some not so dominant pitching and not looked so great. And I know eventually they do do get to Noah Syndergaard yesterday, who was promptly DFA'd by by Cleveland at the conclusion of that game. But hey, listen, the, the Orioles like the major advantage the Blue Jays are supposed to have over the Orioles is not at the back end of the bullpen. Although maybe now with Felix uh, Bautista out for who knows with an UCL problem is against their starters because rotation versus rotation. There's there's no case to be made that the Orioles have a better rotation, but they keep getting stymied by, like, Kyle Gibson and I know Dean Kramer's having a good season, but, like, these are okay starting pitchers. These are not aces. This is not somebody that any team, even the Baltimore Orioles, would be happy starting in a postseason game. Those guys are going to, you know, they're going to try and do a five and dive with those guys when they get to the playoffs and try and, and use the back end of the bullpen. That's why, I mean, the secondary feeling I had about the the playoffs with this team is that you can look at the schedule, you know, Washington, the the Rockies, the A's, and the Royals, and maybe take the uh, A's out of it because everybody beats the A's. But, like, <laughs> and Washington's playing some good baseball. I think mm-hmm. over the last 20-some-odd games, they're they're well over 500. There's a young team that doesn't look as inept as they did in, in uh, the early parts uh, of the season. Like, what is your confidence level that the Blue Jays can feast on some – some uh, less than stellar starting pitching. That's, to me, the biggest conundrum with this team because Blue Jays, if I'm going to point to one aspect offensive, well, let's point to two aspects offensively that are bewildering and the most frustrating about this team is one, not being able to work themselves into good hitters counts, but if they, in fact, get themselves into a situation where they they've forced the pitcher into a bad spot that has to come closer to the middle of the zone that they swing through so many hittable pitches it's unbelievable which you're going to get from some of these teams upcoming I, my confidence level that they'll be able to do damage on those pitches is it is definitely waning as we approach september uh you mentioned uh the possibility of john schneider being thrown overboard i mean i think ross atkins has to be in that discussion as well uh when you consider the hiring of James Click uh, is the is he already looking over the shoulder of Ross Atkins when you manage the expectations or look at the expectations, compare them to what they've been able to do this year. The fact that someone so accomplished is already there, like it is is a change already built in if they choose to go that route or if they choose or if they fail that is uh, to reach expectations. I mean, I would. Uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but I what I don't understand, and you know, I've tried to flush this out and 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 get an understanding of how connected Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins are and I I think it's it's they're very connected I mean he went out and and went back to Cleveland to to go get him he's his hand-picked guy but and it's I don't know if there's a scenario considering how separate from the baseball operations department Mark Shapiro like Mark Shapiro's yeah he's he's safe and he's you know Look at the the renovations that have taken place at the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Look at the attendance. Like he's he's done a a great job. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I, can you separate Ross Atkins from Mark Shapiro? I I mean, if I were Mark Shapiro, I would. Especially when you mention a guy like James Click, who was you know only the general manager of the reigning World Series champions. That seems like a pretty good backup plan. Um, and for a guy that was fired as general manager of the World Series champions, do you think he took this job expecting it to be, you know, a long-term, I'll just sit in the weeds and, Mm. uh, you know what, I I sat in the big chair. That was no fun. No, (laughs) like these guys 
want to do it again. I mean, Alex Anthopoulos did it in L.A. with the Dodgers until a spot opened up. Boy, he couldn't have played his cards any better. Landing in Atlanta with a young up-and-coming Braves team immediately wins a World Series, locks those guys up to long-term deals, and they look like a perennial powerhouse here going forward. I'm sure James Click was maybe hoping for the same type of situation. The same type of situation may have shown itself in, in Toronto, where this team does still have a pretty young core. The the years of team control are are running out, obviously, on, on Vlad and, and Bo Bichette, and you got to get a new third baseman. you got to figure some things out, how to uh, boost this offense going into 2024. I, I mean, that honestly seems like a very realistic scenario to me without any inside information. Chatting with Ben Ennis, host of Fan Drive Time. Okay, so that's the non-on-the-field perspective, um, kind of some front office thoughts. If the Blue Jays, let's say they don't make the playoffs, which is less than 50 percent chance at this point, um, how much of an overhaul do you expect or need to see on the field? Um, there's a couple people that we already know probably won't be back, but do you expect that they would go a little bit more scorched earth? I, in my dream scenario, and man, <laughs> people are getting sick of me talking about this, like this Vlad Jr. trade thing that I, I'm mm-hmm. just so adamant about. Um, and people, you know, the, there's lots of pushback. Uh, and the major one is that, oh, he's at the lowest point in his value, which I don't believe to be true. And I've talked to enough people that, yeah, obviously there's, teams around baseball that would give up heaven and earth to have won the name Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And two, like the the ability. And and look at the under the hood stuff, the stat cast stuff, the exit velocity stuff, and the fact that he's twenty four years old and say and the fact that he's done it once in twenty twenty one and say we will do whatever it takes to get that guy. Boy, to to me that would be I mean, this is all theoretical because I have no idea what you'd be looking to to get in return, but it seems to me like that would be a, a real good way to maximize your assets because if this is the player you have or some reasonable facsimile of the player you have in 2023, the guy that plays now, it must be said, below average defense at first base once they've taken away the shift from him is a above average offensive player, but a guy that you can back his uh, backfill his position and get reasonable a reasonable facsimile of production at first base for limited cost, I would absolutely be be shopping him this offseason. You need a third baseman. Um, we'll see what David Schneider does the, the final month of the season because he could be a, a huge key to your team going forward and, and an everyday player for this team next season. And, I mean, you're losing Whit Merrifield as well, likely. He's got a mutual option, which I, I don't even understand why teams do the – mutual option like has a mutual option ever been uh, agreed upon in the history of all pro sports so so yeah you're gonna need a new second baseman and uh, and a new third baseman and what better way to you know kill two birds with one stone than maybe trading a vladimir guerrero jr for some guys that are just below the major league surface level uh infield this is all pie in the side in the sky stuff and i have no names to pass your way but to me that that if you really wanted to, to shake up the core of this this baseball team, it would be moving on from Vlad. Are there repercussions now with the Bo Bichette extension? Like going, you know, it was largely um, pr- predominantly positive after that, right? Like you get rid of the ARB stuff, you just take him to the end of the line, that's what he wants, and you avoid having to, you know, go kicking and screaming to a court office uh, every single summer to get uh, the salary done for him. But now, in hindsight, where it looks pretty clear or clearer, way clearer, now that Bo Bichette is the guy you'd want to build around, 
Would there be any like remorse to signing that deal at all? Uh, does it put them in any a, a bit of a bind? Does Bo Bichette have more leverage now with that contract that he would? Like, what are the repercussions of signing that deal now that it seems pretty clear that Bo Bichette is the centerpiece that the Toronto of the Toronto Blue Jays? Yeah, you know what? I actually I see it the opposite way that they. I mean, and. It's it's quite possible, in fact, likely that Vlad in arbitrage. Well, I mean, he's already making fourteen and a half this season, so he's he's going to make more than Bobuchet in his final two years of arbitration. Than Bobuchet is under contract for for the next two years beyond this one. But the Blue Jays have made a multi-year, like they have put pen to paper on a contract extension for one of the two guys, and it's Bobuchet. And I don't know if they would view it this way. But it's possible that Bobuchet says, "Oh, wow, they've already indicated that they are more comfortable." with me and 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 more comfortable locking up uh physical dollars to me than they are to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and it it's there's nothing stopping the Blue Jays from talking further extension today with mm. Bobuchet, right? Like they can just slap on some more years right now. They can sign him to a 20-year extension today if they if they're so inclined to to do so. So I mean, we're playing armchair psychologist with all this stuff, but to me I I did notice a a a real demeanor shift in Bobuchet. Like saw him smile for the first time, <laughs> maybe in his Blue Jays career in spring training this season. So to me, it indicates that um, yeah, all is well as far as his relationship with the front office. Where I wouldn't have always given you the same answer, especially when he was bumped down to seventh in the in the order last season, mm-hmm. last August. And all of a sudden, yeah, you're right, Justin. Like, there's just no question that if you were choosing one of the two to build around, it would be the guy that plays reasonable um, defense at a premier position and is one of the best hitters in the American League over the guy that you have serious question marks about. So they still have a month of baseball left. Before we write uh, the end of the postseason thoughts, let's focus on what they might be able to do over the next 31 games. Um John Schneider likes to say that it has to do with the little things, executing the little things. Uh, he often says that, and uh, I don't know if that's it. Is it just coming down to executing the little things for you? If the Blue Jays do need to make a run, they need to win 20 out of the next 31 games to make it to 91 or two wins. Is that enough for you? Uh, the little things would help, <laughs> no question, <laughs> because at last check, the Blue Jays were third last as far as cashing runners from third mm-hmm. base with fewer than two outs. But what's weird about it is, uh, you know, who's dead last? Uh, the Seattle Mariners. So I don't know. Baseball doesn't make <laughs> doesn't uh, make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make a ton of sense. No, I mean, they get. It would really help to have somebody go on a heater here, by which I mean Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Maybe yesterday, maybe that's the positive you can take away from it. Because look at Julio Rodriguez for the Mariners. He's been the catalyst for this. Like, had a, a three-game series where he had like 11, 12 hits, right? Like, they need somebody like Matt Chapman did in April. Remember, this was not the, the sentiment coming out of April when they were handing the Tampa Bay Rays their first losses of the season and, and winning a series at home against Tampa and having comeback victories in Anaheim against the Angels, and that was on the strength of some some really good offense, in fact, and Bo Bichette, who has been pretty consistent all season long. But Matt Chapman having the month of all months, like American League player of the month, not of the week. He was unfreaking believable in the month of April. And the way this team pitches the ball, it honestly it doesn't have to be multiple guys that get hot, get hot. If you have one guy for 20, 30 games – and his name is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and he hits like 10 home runs, 
that that's a huge that's like where has that been all season long we just have not seen it from him in particular the only guy that we have seen it from like i said was matt chapman in april just takes one of those guys to to have their best month of the season in this final month uh considering the way that whoever steps on the mound every fifth day you have pretty good level of confidence that they're going to go five or six giving up three or fewer runs it, it is still right there in front of them and like mm-hmm. i said they control their own destiny they've got games against the red sox they got games uh against the rangers for them they can win the season series against the rangers and maybe the rangers by that point are the team that they do have to pass in the al wild card race to get into the playoffs and they got a bunch of games against teams below 500 so it is as as much as man we've spent a lot of time being doom and gloom today and like i said it, it does feel less than 50 50 it's not over like and it is still the case that this is the most exciting time of the year for baseball fans all these games are super super meaningful and the blue jays have to look like they're supposed to look uh and they can get into the playoffs yeah four winnable series and at least one team that they're chasing in dire straits right now in the texas rangers but it does feel a little bit dire uh this morning and it's interesting i mean talk about the little things a couple big swings can eliminate those little things but it did come down in in some ways to a little thing yesterday with the biggio moment the biggio bunt when you look at that situation like where do you lay blame like what bothers you the most or who bothers you the most when looking at that situation a whole is it the idea that that should be the decision from john schneider or is it Kevin biggio just not doing what he should be doing as a utility guy on this team yeah my blame lies with the fans who call for bunts all the time no actually <laughs> honestly that is the one situation in all of of Major League Baseball where I can get down with a bunt, where you literally only need one run to win the baseball game. But that being said, you have to be in a, in a good position to do so. So one, they had a slow runner on second base in Denny Jansen. Two, they had Santiago Espinal hitting next, right? So you're, you're relying on Santiago Espinal to hit a ball deep enough to score the run or come up with a base hit. It, I didn't love the decision-making, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, it comes down to Kevin Biggio being able to put the ball down the third baseline, not the first baseline, which is, I don't know, a, a head scratch. I know John Schneider talked about that after the game. Like I, That didn't look like a mistake that Kevin Biggio went to first base, so I don't understand exactly what he was thinking there. And I, and I was talking to my son in the moment, talking about how he's got to play down the third baseline, so... I, I don't think you had to be a deep baseball thinker to understand that that's obviously you got to pull the third baseman off the bag, uh, make him make him field the ball to allow Jansen to get to, to third base. I honestly did not hate the bunt in that scenario. Um, but yeah, that's poor execution. And it is also a lesson to people who think that, you know, you 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 press the bunt button and then you get the perfect bunt and then all is hunky-dory and then you score the run. It's like, nah. It doesn't work out that way. And in fact, for this team, it feels like it's you got a le- less of a shot of scoring the run because they've been so inept at, at cashing those runners from third with less than two out. You, you might as well have, you know, an extra chance of coming up with the with the RBI base hit as opposed mm. to giving away one of your 27 precious outs. 
Yep, life's not a video game. Uh, it would be nice if you could just like press dangle, deke, oh, hit, and it would work uh, just like an NHL um, on the field. Okay, I want to ask you about a game, though. Uh, the Price is Right. You got to go yeah. to The Price is Right uh, quite a little while ago, but you got to see Bob Barker, and he did pass away this weekend at 99. Uh, your memories of Bob Barker, that experience, and, I mean, this one probably a little personal for you. Oh, my God. Thank you for asking me because I was like, that that happened, what was it, over the weekend, mm-hmm. I guess? Yeah, it was Saturday, and I wondered if it was so long ago. And, you know, my show doesn't start till 3 o'clock, whether it would make sense to even no, talk about it then. Of um, that was, I, 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 and I had a couple of people reach out through my, because uh, I, I posted it on Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. People are asking, me, like, you were out of your mind? I was like, yes. <laughs> like, I, and I, it was a joke. Like, obviously, I talked about it being one of the most exciting moments of my life, and no, it's not on the level of getting married or having children. But, like, man, half a rung below that? It was unfreaking believable I mean, like like so many people, at 11 o'clock on a weekday, if you were home, there was one choice. Mm-hmm. And it was to turn on CBS and it was to watch The Price is Right. And, and I, the, the biggest indication to me that what made that show great was the host was that the games are all this it's the same show right i haven't watched it for more than 30 consecutive seconds since bob barker retired <laughs> in 2007 um and it, we it was me and a couple of buddies who went actually it was a, an incredible road trip we went down to california and we caught a bunch of baseball games and we saw all the california teams except for the uh the angels at the big a and and it culminated with seeing Bob Barker's 10th to last taping. We had to show up, I think it was like at 10 o'clock at night, the, the previous night, stand in line all wow. night long. So we were, we were out of, we were out of our minds, but by the time <laughs> we got, we got into the studio and then looked around and the way they hype you up and, and I mean, they, they know people are going to be insane. They're like, okay, w- when we introduced the, the first level of, of contestants row, you won't be able to hear the announcer's voice because you'll all be going so crazy. So we hold up cue cards with the names written on them. I, it was like when Bob Barker, I'm not kidding you, when Bob Barker walked out of <laughs> the the backstage portion of that studio onto the stage, it was like, it was a religious experience. Mm-hmm. It was unfreaking believable and part of it might have been because we were so, so sleep deprived. But um, yeah, it was... And the, the whole thing lasts it, – it's so quick because they, they literally – I know it's it's a taping, so they don't actually have to play the commercials, but Bob wants to get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. They do multiple tapings a day. So the thing goes so, so quickly, and it was just a furious, furious, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes. Uh, unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. I'm so glad I got to, to see him uh, before he, he signed off the show and – Man, hard to argue, argue with 99. What a, what a life for Bob Barker. Yeah, le- like truly one of the legends. You know, you, you mentioned it. You grow up, you see it, you watch it. It's always on, especially if you're morning show and you're just floating around during the day. Like, I, you know, it's not the same. Um, but glad that you got that experience. It'll be a special one forever. Do you have, like, a, any merch from it? Like, did you get anything? No, uh, I, I don't. I don't remember if there. You know what I? I, I used to. I, what I did was I. So I had the name tag obviously on the shirt, mm-hmm. and I was gonna keep the shirt, and I was gonna get it for for whatever reason. I don't know. I'm really bad with this stuff. Um, <laughs> it's gone. I have no idea where it is. But yeah, I had the name tag, and man, we were we were all so 
because it's not a random drawing to see who gets on the show, right? Mm-hmm. You get a little interview. It's about a 20, 30-second interview where oh, they ask you who you are and where you're from. Behind the scenes like, here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, you know, it's hard not to seem over-anxious. Like, you're like, what do they want? Instead right. of just being, <laughs> we were convinced one of us was going to get called up uh, to the stage, and, and none of us did. But, yeah, it was... It was an unbelievable, surreal moment. Now, yeah, the the only bummer part, which I hadn't thought about until you brought it up, is that I have nothing to remember it. Uh, okay, by, except memories. for the pictures and those the pictures. great photos of you. So happy, you'll always remember that. They look good. Yeah. Uh, ben, yeah, thank thanks you. for coming on. Appreciate it, uh, and welcome back to the show this afternoon, Ben Ennis, host of Fan Drive Time. We'll chat with you soon. All right, see ya. Thanks. All right, uh, yeah, being on the Price is Right would be an absolute like dream. It just it's so so fun. But I do wonder how all that stuff works out. Like, how do they pick? And, you know, how quick is it? You know, it's made for TV, but it's not like that when you're there, clearly. It's boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that was some good insight on Price is Right. I definitely didn't think about it that much. But, like, uh, certainly the interview process key, like, what you have to do. Because you have to stand out, right? For 30 seconds. The people that get on. What would you do? I have no idea. I wouldn't be even, like, I wouldn't, even my best effort, I don't think, would be enough. You, you kind of have like to be lo- a little unhinged. You Yeah, you got to be a little, and but, I might be unhinged, sleep deprived, 10 mm, p.m., like, I, that's that's tough. And that's every, like, every time they tape, that's the that's the situation A lot of there. pressure on the, on the scouts that have the 30-second interviews to be like, this is a star in the making. They should Let's, scout in the line. They might do that. I don't know how it works. Anyway. That was Ben Ennis. Uh, pretty cool memory. Pretty cool thing you got to do there. Uh, but it's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Ever heard this name? Chad Green. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is he going to play in uh, a meaningful game this year? He's inching closer to making a return. He's been itching for a while. Uh, or inching? Like, you said inching. Inching. You but itch he's closer. probably itching as well. Um, <laughs> likely to join the Blue Jays bullpen when rosters expand on September First, he's now made 11 rehab appearances in the minors. He had that slight setback with the concussion. Um, it's a good amount of rehab appearances. That's a, that's a lot. of. He's ready to rumble, almost. Um, yeah, underwent Tommy John, as we know, last summer. He's getting real close, guys. So just hold your breath because maybe Chad Green is the savior for the Blue Jays. Maybe. Can he hit? <laughs> he's no Shohei. No, not quite. Shohei is just crushing. Did you see he broke a scoreboard? No, I didn't. Yeah, he's... He's just... It doesn't bother him at all. You don't need a UCL. Millions, millions down the drain, no UCL, no problem for Shohei Otani. Okay, before we do winners and losers, we want to make you a winner. Guns and Roses is coming to Rogers Center on September 3rd, and we're giving away tickets. To enter for your chance to win, text today's code word in, Night Train to 59590. That is Night Train. There's a space between night and train to 59590. That's an easy one. Come on, you got this. And don't spell it with a K. It's not night like in shining armor, Chad Green. It's night train (laughs) to 59590. If you don't win with us, make sure to visit ticketmaster.ca to secure your tickets. That's Guns N' Roses, September 3rd, Rogers Center, night train. On the other side of the break, winners and losers. Got a lot of them from this past weekend. There's a lot going on. I thought it was a little hard to find. Uh, Well, don't worry. I'll lean on you. I I did my work, so we're winning and losing next. got a couple. Come on. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan morning show, Justin and Ailish, Monday morning. 
Did you hear that commercial before we came in? Blue Jays having a Harry Potter day at the ballpark on September I 9th. That. I love it. I'm not, I never got into Harry Potter. Uh, I'm not surprised. You are certainly a Ravenclaw. I'm not even going to ask for an explanation. I'm just going to assume that's a slight dig at me and my personality. <laughs> no. Maybe not even slight. I think you're a Ravenclaw, not a Hufflepuff. You're definitely a Ravenclaw. Yeah, it's a Ravenclaw. I will certainly say that I'm a Gryffindor, and I've taken a test many, many times and maybe altered my answers to be a Gryffindor, but you're a, you're a Ravenclaw. It's not bad. That sounds it's like a great. Ravenclaw move to alter your answers no, to be someone else. No, that's a Slytherin move. Okay. So I could be a little bit of that, but Harry Potter did the ballpark. That sounds really fun. Skeevy. Slytherins <laughs> are skeevy. I'm no Mike McDaniels. Uh, tomorrow is Looney Dogs Day, so there's another reason to go to the ballpark. But Blue Jays fans keep showing up, and unfortunately, they were losers this weekend a little bit. Uh, for sure, the Blue Jays going to take an easy L in our losers column against the Guardians, a team that's below 500. You're in a clawing your way into a wild card spot. You got to be able to beat all different types of teams, specifically these ones on the stretch because you're now below a 50-50% chance to make the playoffs. It feels lower than that, but Fangraphs is being generous of 48%. Hold on hope, but losers this weekend, unfortunately, the Blue Jays. Uh, yeah, they are 100%. Hard to spin it any other way. Are they the biggest losers of the weekend? Maybe no. in this market. Oh. But not overall, I don't think. I think... The Baltimore Orioles might be the biggest losers of the weekend. Wow. I like that. Uh, and not that, the you know, it's it's great for the Rays, great for any other team that fancies themselves as a World Series uh, threat. Uh, but the Baltimore Orioles losing Felix Bautista. And what we just saw mm. from Baltimore last week where the Blue Jays just went toe-to-toe, bullpen versus bullpen, and outlasted them because they got through Felix Bautista. They got through, at least Yanier Cano. They got through those guys. And without those two, if it's only one, if there's no Felix Bautista for the Orioles, can they hold up? Can they win a World Series? Can they go to the World Series? I'm not really sure. He's got a UCL problem. Not sure if it means Tommy John. But if they're without Felix Bautista, who, again, one of the best closers in the game, they're in trouble. So that loss is big. So Baltimore Orioles, just because I want to take an opportunity to call them a loser, (laughs) losers this weekend. I'll take it. Um, Let me give you a winner. Canada basketball. I'm taking the easy two to start. Um, pretty incredible start to the FIBA World Cup. Uh, you truly couldn't ask for anything else. You steamroll both opponents. You're looking like a team that is A, building momentum, but playing like a team under a new head coach. It just feels like a really good bout of momentum coming from the Canadian men's team. Uh, they're back in action tomorrow morning. That'll be at 930. We'll have that on Sportsnet. And the winner between them and Latvia will get top seed. And there's a lot of implications on how far that could affect Canada, but you just win the games in front of you and lesser opponent in Lebanon, but a pretty good opponent in France and you embarrass both. And France is out of the tournament, so they're a loser, but Canada looking like they've got something really good going on overseas. Um, Exciting to watch. And I think fans are winners just being able to cheer for a team. That's really looking like a different team, Canada. Listen, I'm really excited about the prospects of Canada basketball having success at this tournament to 
But to compare them to the weekend that the Edmonton Elks had, oh. I mean, you can't. Edmonton Elks, the massive Elks. winners. They snap a 22-game home losing skid. They're not, <laughs> and they're no longer compared to the worst. Well, they are, but they're no longer get to have have to be compared every time they play at home to the worst teams in the history of all of sport. They beat the Red Blacks 30 to 20 mm. last night, snapping that woeful skid. Congratulations to the Elks and their fans who finally have a home victory at Commonwealth. That might be the biggest win of the entire summer. I, I thought, they, <laughs> the could, I thought they were going to go the whole season without a win. And they needed that. The Red Blacks were like one of the last opportunities because the Red Blacks are 1,415 days since they won at home. 1,415 days. So it, it would have won 1,500 probably. Like obviously if they didn't win this year. Like The longest got. home losing streak in North American pro sports it's history. Over. It's over. The biggest winners of the weekend are the Edmonton Elks. They could just lose every game for the rest of the season. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they, they checked the number one box off the list. Biggest winner for me, Victor Hovland. My guy has had an incredible, <laughs> yeah, maybe Hovland's better than an the incredible week. Okay. Yes. He just set the PGA Tour single season record with $32.1 million. And he basically won it all in the last week. He won the BMW Championship on August 20th, wins the FedEx Championship yesterday on August 27th. And I think he is the most lovable guy on tour. Why is that? He's drama free. He's really down to earth. Like he's not some snobby guy. He's young. He just seems like he's really happy to be there. You've seen that video of him working on a short game in his house. Like he's just a different dude. He's a little goofy. He doesn't get his nose in any drama. And he goes out there and he worked his butt off Mm -hmm. all year long and finds a way when it really matters to capitalize. I just think he might, like, I don't know who else is more, I mean, there's a couple lovable guys, but for me, it's Victor Hovland. I've picked him a lot in my Fan X Cup this year, and it was always close, 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 close. And I'm just really happy to see him capitalize. Uh, he's a young guy, and this is a big thing for him. And I did send Josh um, an audio clip because this is, he won $18 million yesterday. Like, that's a hell crazy, of a lot of money. Crazy amount of money. And this is him talking about it on the podium about what $18 million can do for someone, especially at that age. Uh, obviously, it's it's a lot of cash you're playing for. I mean, it's in your back of the in the back of your mind. But I, I live in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, money goes a long ways there. It's not like I'm I'm spending money out the wazoo every week. I uh, I, I don't need a lot to be happy. I don't need need a lot to live within my means um so obviously it's it's nice for you know for my family to have that protection and my you know eventual kids that i'll have in the future it's it's nice to have that but it's not it's not something that drives me it's not something that gives me you know meaning uh i find meaning in other places but obviously with how society works um money is something you need I just think it's re- I re- really I can see why you humbling, like a little relatable, like just you know, I I just I don't need to spend money out the wazoo. I live in sm- you Stillwater, Oklahoma, and he's just he's just really down to earth. You could spend eighteen million. I could probably spend at least one million of it. Um, he did. <laughs> the final reason to why I think he's the most lovable guy on tour, and I'm happy to see it, is yesterday he's walking off. Um, I don't even know if he had done his post-ceremony awards. He was on the green really late. It was nighttime. And he was just chowing down on a bag of Chipotle chips with a side of guac 
and just that's what he wanted. He's like, oh, now I can afford to pay for guac. I love Chipotle. And as someone that that is my favorite, uh, you know, quick reorder, you know, just I had one yesterday. I had Chipotle. Again. Yeah. Back to the well. And last week I had it and I just, I love Chipotle. It is very good. It's my go-to. And to see Victor Hovland, a man of the people, eating the nice chip guac combo, I just, I really respect it. Yeah, He's my guy. I, I, it's hard not to respect Victor Hovland, uh, even Chipotle aside. Uh, I wonder what this means for the Ryder Cup because, you know, the low end for Europe, not as impressive as the low end for the States. Mm-hmm. But the best call for in the world right now is Victor Hovland. And Rory McIlroy is pretty good too. Oh, he lost. And you might go, be able to ride those two until the wheels fall it's off true. if you're if you're Team Europe. Uh, Rory McIlroy playing with an injured back from like picking up his kid might have like lost that on eighteen mil for a little back. Maybe, tight, maybe. I don't think anyone's. Deal. I don't think anyone was knocking off yeah, uh, Victor right. Hovland though. Uh, Mookie Betts is a massive winner for me. He spent the weekend at Fenway, of course, first time. <laughs> I don't know the first time, but uh, the big celebratory <laughs> weekend with him returning uh, with the Dodgers. Uh, of course, he had a productive day or a weekend at the plate. He always does. But because of those productive weekends, maybe because of the attention that he was getting, guess who's now the uh, favorite to win National League MVP? It was Ronald Acuna Jr., literally from jump. He's all not year, anymore? All year long, Acuna, minus 500, minus 1,000. No one else can win AL or NL MVP. Mookie Betts is the favorite right now to win NL MVP because he's been absolutely unstoppable in August, and he was celebrated the way he should. There were a couple of boos, wow. but celebrated the way he should in Boston in his return to Boston. Mookie Betts uh, rose to the occasion, and now he is the betting favorite to win NL MVP. So uh, impressive weekend from him. And that would have been, been a good future to have. It would have been. I unfortunately have some Acuna. Uh, there's still time. Yeah, there's still some time. One we'll see what happens. I got another one for you here. Uh, yep. In the golf world, I should have went to this after Hovland, but uh, the second only to Hovland. Joanne Big Mama Carner. So the U.S. Seniors Women's Open goes down this weekend. All these big tournaments going down this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, end of summer. She's 84. She, sh- she shoots an 80. So the one thing is like, can you shoot your age? If you're 72, can you shoot a 72? Can you shoot bar? She beats it by four. She missed the cut because she shot an 87. But no one's talking about 57-year-old Trish Johnson who won the U.S. Senior Open. They're talking about... Joanne Carter, who basically is like, it's not John Daly, but she's out there smoking cigarettes. She's 84 years old, shooting 80, shooting 80 in, like she's 30 years older than the the woman who won and she's going around shooting 80s. Uh, It's crazy. Uh, It's an unbelievable story for some uh, 84-year-old woman to go into a championship and shoot 80, shoot better than her age by four. So shout out to Big Mama. Okay, I love that. There you go. I'll give you uh, some more girl power. Let me just pull mine up. Raya Stewart. I don't know if you saw this. 16-year-old played in a QMJHL goal, a game um, on this past weekend on Friday for the Cape Breton Eagles. Hold on. The Q <clears throat> is starting now? QMJHL. The Q starts in August? How? Uh, it might be preseason, nonetheless. Okay. She played. Um, she's a goaltender. She played 30 minutes, stopped all 24 shots, 16-year-old, uh, first female to play for the Cape Breton Eagles, of course, but they did lose. Uh, yeah, preseason loss to the Moncton Wildcats. But she was named first star and standing ovation when she was moved from the game in the second period, already committed to playing at University of Wisconsin for NCAA, and she did play for a team. Wait, that was- wait, 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 wait. 
I thought you couldn't do that. Eligibility. What? Play major junior, then go to college? I don't know if they've even had this rule written for women to play in the QMJHL. But why not? But because it's never really been done before. But anyway, she's committed to NCAA for Wisconsin. I don't think this Maybe changes anything. Um, she also led Nova Scotia to their first ever medal at the Canadian Winter Games earlier this year as they took down silver. Um, and she played for Canadian women's U18 team. So someone to look forward to, um, someone to track, but that's a really big accomplishment. So Emmer and Smashmeyer better be looking over her shoulder. She better uh, be. Simone Biles, I will give a winner nice. to. Uh, eighth all-around national title, uh, becomes the oldest woman ever, ends a two-year hiatus. Like a lot of impor- uh, impressive things, right? Mm-hmm. She's usually, when you're 26, you might be a little old to win uh, an all-around title in gymnastics, but she just shows up after a two-year hiatus and wins her record eighth all-around national title, pretty impressive to go off the couch and win the all-around title in gymnastics. I'm not a gymnastics expert, but I feel like that's ultimately impressive and maybe the thing that's, like, most impressive about her entire career because she's considered the GOAT, obviously, in gymnastics, wins, uh, has won, and she was the star of the Olympics for multiple Olympics. But how do you show how you're better than everyone? You do it Mm -hmm. when you're not supposed to, and that's exactly what Simone Biles did after a two-year absence. Pretty impressive. Okay, things that uh, you think gymnastics is impressive, um, so is being an NFL running back, and Kevin Hart... This past weekend is a big time loser because he challenged his friend and former NFL running back Stephen Ridley to a race, and he tore everything: his lower abdomen <laughs> and his. You, he tore his lower abdomen? abdomen and his abductors. He can't walk, and he's in a wheelchair right now. That is a Kevin that's Hart. The tough injury. He that's the, everything. They did the forty-yard dash. It's your entire torso. The forty-yard dash, and he just got so annihilated that he tore all of these muscles, and he's truly like unable to walk. And he put up this video on Instagram, and he's like lighthearted, right? He's joking about it, so we can kind of joke about it. But he's like, "I'm an idiot. <laughs> Once you turn forty, I'm the stupidest man alive. I should never have done that. Didn't warm up properly, I guess." And he just ripped everything into shreds. So that that's yeah, that's and, and that was in a sprint. Yeah, 40-yard dash. I'm going to give another loser to a sprinter. You hear, see that Noah Lyles video? He's a U.S. sprinter. And he went on the podium, the Budapest World Championships going mm-hmm. on over the last week or so. Uh, and he basically s- takes issue with NBA players calling themselves world champions when they win an NBA title because he's like, you're not competing with the world. You're competing with Americans. And this is the thing about, I don't know if you've yeah. seen this with track people, but track people are very defensive over like, oh, this is lesser than, right? You're track and you're mm. not. I think they all have a bit of a chip on the shoulder. I don't know shoulder. much about they track dynamics. Be, they want to be the only ones to call themselves world champions. Well, guess what? I mean, if if everyone who played sports that are only played in North America decided to be track athletes, I don't know if you exist, Noah Lyles. I don't know if you're uh, going to be the, uh, I don't know if you're the premier sprinter of the world. Something out for him. I'm just saying, like, it was very lame. So all these NBA players have come out and they're like, they're making fun of this guy. Uh, you should check out the video because it was pretty embarrassing, to be honest. Okay, how about some winners from Canada at uh, the World Championships in Budapest? Um, How about taking down gold and silver in the decathlon? We know that Damien Warner, who won the gold medal, was one of Canada's biggest stories at the Olympics. He won silver behind Canadian Pierce LePage, who won gold at the World Championships this past weekend. So a one and two finish um, in the decathlon. Couple world champions there. Which is their world. That is the hardest thing. Like the decathlon will always blow my mind. And to win gold and silver in that, that is a huge, huge statement for Canada. And 
I will never. That's good. Olympics I around the corner. Don't think I could complete one of those. Couple to watch. Um, of the ten, but good for them. That is, it's actually, it's incredible. So they, they're the best athletes in the world. You don't think you could run around the track once? Probably not. My hockey season starts up in two weeks, though, so I can get my butt in shape. Uh, where do you put Trey Lance? I thought he was the ultimate odds. Venn diagram. Okay. Did you see the odds of, I guess it was like Super Bowl odds? Sure. They actually I got worse sure. when he was traded. Really? Yeah, I don't understand Worse that. for who? The Cowboys. He doesn't matter. I don't know why, but they, the odds got worse for them to win the Super Bowl when he got traded. Interesting. Anyway. I, don't, I don't know why backup quarterback would matter with the Super Bowl I don't odds. know either. But That seems coincidental, uh, but... I don't know if it's good or bad because you were, of course, uh, third overall draft pick and or was it third overall? It was Mac Jones. Anyway, you they spent so much capital in order to get you. The San Francisco 49ers mm-hmm. did. And you get traded for a fourth round pick. It's really embarrassing. But also, it seems like you had no chance to be anything in San Francisco for whatever reason. In Dallas, I mean, if we're talking about vulnerable starting quarterbacks, I don't know if Dak Prescott is there. But we know how Jerry Jones operates. Like, I'm sure the blinding lights of a top pick, Trey Lance, maybe could, you know, factor into his reasoning just Mm -hmm. a little bit. And if Dak Prescott struggles and Trey Lance can actually learn instead of being thrust immediately or expected to be thrust into a big spot for a good team like San Francisco, maybe Dallas is the place where Trey Lance can get things going. I have a little bit of hope for him, even though it is embarrassing to be traded for a fourth round pick after you were made such a high draft pick. I wanted to end on, on it's kind of, uh, it's unfortunately a loser, but Brooke Henderson, she had a tough, tough Even weekend. Brooke a loser? Well, it was such a, it highly anticipated weekend for Brooke. It's to see the Canadian Women's Open yeah. over in Vancouver. And CP Casey. She had a really tough weekend. What did she shoot? Uh, she was three or two over in the third round and she was out of contention. Uh, three over, in, yeah, three it's over in the third round. And she ended out pretty low. She had a bounce back Friday. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't perform well, but it's okay. There's, I'm a part of Brooke Brigade, so there's always you are part. Of, you're you're one I of the founding members much, of Brooks Brigade. But you have to hold those people accountable sometimes okay. too. And the Rams. Uh, did you see what the Rams did this weekend? They lost forty-one nothing to the Broncos in preseason football. I know preseason football is a lot of people not. Nobody played that was a starter really in either of the games. And you lost 41 nothing. So have a look. They're on three. That is pretty tough. Okay. Let's take a break. Uh, we are chatting with Jeff Blair on the other side. We haven't heard his thoughts this weekend. No Jays talk post game from Jeff Blair or Kevin Barker. So you get it first. His thoughts on this past weekend. That's next on the Fan Morning Show with Justin and Ailish. Sports on 590 The Fan.